Welcome to the re-release project of the Keeping Things Alive podcast, which is the republication of episodes that were originally recorded and published between 2016 and 2020 out of Western New York. My name is Laura Evans. I'm a former environmental lawyer, planner, and nonprofit staffer. I also wrote a book called Silent Seasons, Chasing Sustainability Through the Law. The Keeping Things Alive podcast is here to explore the opportunities and challenges as we all live together on this beautiful, living, and interconnected planet Earth. Hello, I'm very excited about this episode of the Keeping Things Alive podcast because Well, first of all, it was a wonderful conversation, but it's also the first time that I'm interviewing more than one person, three people to be exact, and they are all working for the Massachusetts Avenue Project, which is a local organization here in Buffalo. The mission of MAP is to nurture the growth of a diverse and equitable local food system and promote local economic opportunities, access to affordable, nutritious food, and social change education. Now, the contact that I originally spoke with and who came to the interview, her name is Rebecca Williams. She is the MAP Youth Education Director, and she hires, supervises, and supports around 50 Buffalo teenagers who work at MAP each year. She conducts lessons on social and environmental justice, democracy, policy change, and youth organizing. She also works with the Buffalo Farm to School Partnership, which brings local food to thousands of Buffalo public school students. And she's MAPS representative on the Crossroads Collective, which is a network of local organizations working to bring about a just transition to a renewable energy and sustainable agriculture economy. Rebecca brought two of the teenage workers um, who have been participating in MAP for the past couple of years. In Gabre, she's going to be a junior at Emerson School of Hospitality, and she is a community organizing specialist who works with Rebecca at MAP. Mariama, she just graduated from International Prep High School, and she'll be going to Canisius in the fall. Um, She is going to be leaving her position at MAP and step into the role of campaign assistant for the Western New York Environmental Alliance, and she'll be working directly with youth and engaging them in climate justice campaigns. I can't can't say enough great things about all three of these women. They were so fun to talk to and learn about their experiences um, in Buffalo and their thoughts on climate change, the, you know, just the social and political climate that's existing today, their hopes for the future. It was, it was really wonderful and I can't wait to share it with you. So please enjoy my conversation with Rebecca, Mariama, and Ngabre from Massachusetts Avenue Project. Hi everyone. I'm really glad to have you, the three of you here. This is my first interview with more than one person, so bear with me. Um, But Rebecca, I wanted to start out right away with you explaining what Massachusetts Avenue Project is and the work that you all do. Great. So Massachusetts Avenue Project is a nonprofit organization located within the city of Buffalo. Uh, We are an urban agriculture and youth development program committed to ensuring that healthy, fresh, affordable food is available to people throughout the city and the region. Um, We do our work predominantly through about 13 lots, 13 or 14 lots in the city of Buffalo uh, that we farm using sustainable agriculture. We also run a mobile market that um, takes the food that we grow as well as food that we procure from local farmers and distributes it throughout the city, um, partnering with community organizations and churches that have a demonstrated need and interest in bringing the mobile market to their community. Um, And we also uh, employ about 50 teenagers from throughout the city of Buffalo every year. Um, The majority of those teens work for us in the summer. Um, About 30 30 to 40 teens come to us in the summer, and then we rehire about 15 teenagers in the school year program. Um, And all of those teens are kind of put to work in every aspect of our organization. So working on this uh, with the farm, working um, on the mobile market or uh, 
um, uh, we also get involved with like policy and organizing initiatives. So, um, since MAP's inception, um, we've been involved with conversations with the city of Buffalo or with, um, different, uh, agencies regarding policies that affect urban farmers um, or vacant land reclamation. And in all of those things, we seek to uh, um, have our youth at the table um, to participate in those conversations. That's awesome. So yeah, and so there are two of the youth staff here today, which I'm really excited to be talking with both of you. Um, I guess why don't we start with Mary and just kind of a quick introduction. Um, what's your background? Where did you grow up? Um, just, you know, spend a few minutes talking about yourself and then also where you're, uh, where you're headed now that graduation is upon you. Oh, um, so again, I'm Mary. Um, I was born and raised in Philadelphia um, until like about sixth grade year and I moved to Chicago then I didn't stay long and I moved to Buffalo finally which is a nice very small city um it's treated me well it showed me um the things that you could learn about living in a smaller place and in bigger cities um I've seen a lot of like community work and like a lot of like interactions between the communities that are like super dope because you don't see that in bigger cities it's like you're just in, <laughs> you're just in your own part of the city in a way it's really weird um, yeah, so I've been in Buffalo for at least five years, question marks, question marks. <laughs> yeah. Um, graduation, ooh, after graduation now, I'm going to be attending Kenesha's, yay. That's awesome. Um, I've got a scholarship full right there, so hopefully I could make the better use of it. Yeah, what, what will you be studying at Kenesha's? Oh, I'll be studying education for like um, 7th to 12th grade, so I'll be a teacher. Ooh, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, my parents are teachers. I, I really, I like teachers a lot. <laughs> and my sister, yeah. Um, do you know where you would want to teach? Do you want to stay around Buffalo or, or yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I think I would like to stay in Buffalo because Buffalo needs a lot of support with their teachers because you, mm. know, you don't have that many teachers here in Buffalo that actually do care about students per se. I don't yeah. know. And I know that I loved all my teachers that I had here. Like, they were just all so sweet and kind and, like, pushed me forward. And they're, they're a very good impacts on my life. Where did you go to high school? Um, the only school I've ever been in Buffalo is International Prep, which is on the west side. So oh, okay. This is the only school I've ever been to. And um, I made a lot of memories there. And I'm really sad. I was really sad to leave it yesterday. Yeah, I bet. Well, that's exciting that you're going to stay in western New York and keep your talents here the one other thing I wanted to ask you about which I guess we could talk about later but let's stick with it now um what is your uh, position with Western New York Environmental Alliance um I'm the campaign assistant so like um I'm mostly just outreaching youth and like making sure the youth are also involved in like the climate justice because not many times you see youth in it and they don't understand it a lot mm. so education and like advocacy is like one of the best things you could ever have especially for the youth to make sure the voices are outlived yeah, so. that's great. We'll we'll definitely talk about that more later. Um, but let's let's meet in Gabre. So yeah, in Gabre, let's. I would love to hear a little bit about your background because you've also lived in other countries. So what can you describe your your growing up, your experiences, and then how you came to Buffalo? Um, I was born in Congo, and my parents they moved so. I grew up in Kenya, like most of my life I grew up in Kenya. I mean, the life there is not easy. Like in Buffalo, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. You get to see kids going around collecting food and stuff, begging for money. But here in Buffalo, it's just, it's all different. So what happened to me, it was like my parents, my dad, he, we had our own house. He had his own business, so he sold everything. And he just wanted us to come here because he thought like, Everything here was good. The education, that's all he he's really concerned about. Mm-hmm. So we he had to sell everything for us to come here. How old were you when that when you moved to come here? Oh, I was like 12, 13, around there. I, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> no, that, I mean, that, that's a good answer. Um, yeah, so have you, and then did you move right to Buffalo or were there other places that you moved before that? 
I came right into Buffalo. Okay. And what school do you go to now? I go to Amazon. Okay. School of Hospitality. School of Hospitality. What do you learn there? Like, They basically teach us about cooking. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And just no more education. But I like the school. Do you like to cook? It's okay. Uh, not that much, but I... <laughs> okay. That's all right. I just... I actually, as I've gotten older, have discovered that I like to cook, but I, I that's a new thing for me. So I just wondered... Um, that's really cool. I like that. Um, so here, uh, yeah, Rebecca, if you want to add anything. I, um, uh, and Gabre has been working with me for the last year as a community organizing specialist at MAP. And, um, at the end of the year, her group, um, worked together to, uh, think about a project that was important to them about an issue locally that they're concerned with. And, uh, the project that they decided on was something related to Ngabre and her school and the food there. And I was hoping that you might talk about that. Yeah, I could talk about that. You know, my school, we cook a lot of pork and uh-huh. we have like a couple, not a lot of Muslims, but most of like the majority is Christian. So every time like we cook pork like three times a week mm. and when I talk to the teachers, like, I don't, I can't eat pork. They're like, oh, we know that. That's why there's peanut butter and jelly. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Like, I'm like, I can't have that every day. And then they're like, oh, then there's tuna. And then I don't like tuna, so I had to, like, I had to stay the whole day without eating. And they do that all the time, and they, they know it. So when they do that, it's, it's not for, only for me. And we have vegetarians, too. Like mm-hmm. people who don't eat meat. Stuff, stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. So every time they do they do that to us, we feel like, they don't consider like they don't see us like students or we don't belong in that school because like they do that and they do that while they know what they're doing so yeah that's not so fair. what um was there a a program then that you worked on for that or how did you uh, speak up about that we're trying to talk to bridget she's she's the head of buffalo public school lunches oh okay so we're trying to see if she can like tell us or like help us come up with a something to do about it yeah i don't know right that's a really important issue especially with uh you know just the importance of eating less meat like Mm -hmm. with environmental issues and then yeah religious issues i mean that's a big thing mary do you want to talk about this yeah especially like in our school our school is international so we have like a lot of international students and i think that like speaking up about that is really good because at first the um first couple of days of Ramadan, the students, it was like during certain times they had to pray and they didn't have a time to do that, to find like students spoke up was like, okay, but because we're doing Ramadan, we need to have a space we could pray. And they did that. They allowed them to like go to the auditorium at times. So if you speak up about it and you make sure they know, then they will listen. Like, just let them know. Cause that's- yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, that's good that you guys are bringing that to their attention. So that's awesome. I mean, my school, I think they're just ignorant. Because, like, I talked to the head teacher, like, the head teacher. Mm-hmm. She knows that. She's like, oh, I know, I know. We could do something about it. They never did anything. Mm. I've been there for, like, almost, like, two years now. So, they don't even care. Huh. <laughs> Rebecca, do you have any ideas or thoughts about that particular issue? Or is this anything related to maybe the work that you do at MAP? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, a lot of our work at MAP is just um, providing a platform and a space where young people feel comfortable sharing about what is important to them. Um, We do that through the lens of food. So we use food issues um, broadly as a starting point. Um, But I, I mean, I would echo just kind of to Mary's point of view is that, um, when we start somewhere, so with Ngabre's concern around food in her school, clearly that's related to um, the mission of MAP in terms of being a food justice organization. Um, but then we can build on it and look at other similarities like what Mary was talking about in her school mm-hmm. and uh, the recognition or lack thereof of um, our communities that are emerging in Buffalo. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I'm going to move on to the next question for, I guess we'll start with, actually, Rebecca, we did not talk about your background. So give us a little bit of history. Um, Where did you grow up and how long have you been in Buffalo? 
what's your education and you know it doesn't have to be formal it can be anything but yeah let's hear about you um I was born in a house in North Buffalo and uh to two um semi-hippies um uh I was born at home yeah. So I literally was home, born in the house. <laughs> wow. And um, my upbringing was partially there in North Buffalo and partially on a community outside of Canandaigua um, called the Rochester Folk Art Guild. Mm-hmm. Um, in Buffalo, my life consisted of being the daughter of a mathematician. My dad was um, the only African-American um uh, tenured math professor at the University of Buffalo. Um, and then on weekends, uh, we would travel to the Folk Art Guild um, where the adults would um, work in various crafts. Um, so my dad there was a blacksmith and my mother worked in sewing. Um, and us kids would roam the woods. There was you know, lots of acres of land, and so that was where I found my connection with nature and my love for the outdoors. Um, there was a couple ponds there, so we'd go swimming and um, lots of woods to build forts in um, and food that was grown there in the community that um, as a kid I remember not liking, like <laughs> smushed squash. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> like that's squash what... <laughs> either. Now I love it now. But yeah. It grows, grows here, yeah. so we ate squash a lot there. Um, and back in Buffalo, I attended a Montessori school. Um and uh, and then uh, graduated from City Honors and went on to the University of Buffalo. Um, so I think at the University of Buffalo, I focused my studies on American studies and environmental studies, um, and then went it went on to get my uh, bachelor's degree from SUNY Empire State College in community studies and development, um, kind of looking at what communes and intentional communities have to offer urban urban planning. Yeah, what what did you what what did you take away from that or what was your conclusions on what communes can offer? Well, a few things. One just that um there are communities intentional and not in urban areas and it's important to recognize that. So I think um the intentional communities movement kind of tended to look a lot at like just their communes and their intentional communities as that was the end all be all. Mm. And so I think it's important to recognize that there are so many communities, beautiful ones, not so beautiful ones, but there are lots of communities in our urban areas. Um, To the importance of youth and how you talk to young people about why you're doing what you're doing. So if, if there is an intentional movement, the importance of education kind of about why we do the things, why we do things the way we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some of the big takeaways. Yeah, that's great. Well, I think I want to talk about the next question and I guess whoever wants to grab the mic can answer any, all three of you, but what, um, what has it been like living in Buffalo? How have you noticed it changing and do you have any, thoughts about where it's headed or hopes, predictions for its future? I can start. I've kind of been here the longest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, yeah. The you, longest, you and that, that could work with each question. We just kind of do it around. But really, I liked um, if you want to say something, just, you know, get people's attention and we'll pass it along. So, yeah. All right. Go ahead, Rebecca. I think some interesting ways that Buffalo has changed is one through the people. Um, I'm sitting here across from Ngabre, who mentioned that she just came here when she was 12 or 13, I think you said. Um, And I think 
I, I'm not somebody who studies um, the influx of people from other countries, but I do understand that from the time, so, so when I was born in the late 70, 1978, um, that there's been like a very different kind of influx of people from many different parts of the world. Um, and at this point in the last few years, you know, quite a few people from various African countries um, and uh, people from Burma and Thailand, um, and just really influencing kind of how those of us here see the world. So um, I remember when I started at MAP, and um, I remember having heard about Ramadan, but um, we had young people that were working with us who um, every Friday part of our program is we cook a meal together. And it's a really important part of what we do, that breaking bread is building community. And it's a beautiful part of our program. We love it. And it was, I felt bad and disheartened when I learned that there were young people who were scheduled to work that day who couldn't eat with us. So um, building certain things into the program, like... um, Eat, uh, um, setting aside uh, to-go containers so that the youth who were um, celebrating Ramadan could take food with them that they could eat after after um, sundown. Or um, we uh, added in an Eid celebration, which was really exciting for me to learn about what Eid is and learn about how that, that role in Ramadan. And then I think the other big way that I would mention that Buffalo has changed is... Um, I kind of laugh in, I guess, not a very funny way, but like in a sad way about the lack of knowledge about geography. Um, Mm. And that as a young person growing up in Buffalo in the city, um, I really did not have an understanding about where we were and the importance of the Great Lakes in the context of where we were Um, and that we were situated between two big um, two great lakes and yeah. and just how important that is and right. and our connection to the water that um, we have an amazing asset um, and natural resource here mm-hmm. that many young people are completely disconnected from um, and I think as as time has gone on with the work that like organizations like Buffalo Niagara Riverkeeper and others have done that we're getting more and more um, access to our waterways um and so that's another uh key thing that i've seen change yeah i wanted to say something about that because i lived in austin texas for eight years and we had two lakes that provided all our drinking water but they weren't real lakes they were dams of rivers and um when during the drought of 2011 the lakes were 16 percent full and you know i was working in the environmental policy area and i knew they didn't really have a backup and it was really scary and so just coming back to buffalo and knowing that we're next to the second biggest source of fresh water in the world i find amazing and i i think it is something that will sustain buffalo as an important city going forward. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, Mary, do you want to talk about your experiences with Buffalo? You kind of touched on it a little bit, but I'd love to hear a little more of your perspective on, yeah, the Philadelphia or Chicago versus Buffalo and what you've noticed. And then also what you see going forward as you're going into college. Um, so the one thing about Buffalo is that it's segregated, no matter how nice it is, it's segregated. Um, yeah. I didn't realize, so I learned a little bit more about its history, especially with like um, its parks and like highways or even a train system. Like there's been um, built-in segregation between us, between like where we lived at. If you were to look at a map for, map maybe like, what's 18, about the 1800s, like where people used to live, especially on streets, you used to see where the Italians used to live, the Polish, and you you will see where certain groups would only live at, and they would never intersect or never have this time to integrate between each other, and you would see only desegregation. Even now, there's bits of segregation, like with streets. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it's more of the history. It's more of the history. And Buffalo has really started to come together a lot. 
um, more ways than ever, even though there's like other things now we have to fight. Well, not fight, just understand and learn how to battle against it, like gentrification of like certain places. Because where I live at, it's like um, east side, but kind of close to the downtown area. Mm-hmm. But even there, um, I live ever since I moved to Buffalo, I've been living in the east side, and I always noticed like there were zombie homes, there were homes that weren't being used, there were people in the streets that weren't getting the things they need, and oh. There, yeah. there, there's just there's just a lot um this is a lot of underlying issues but buffalo has really been showing that it's gonna stand its ground no matter what especially when there was times there were, um i think it was during election season there was like a lot of hate in the city that came out of nowhere and i was just like what the heck mm-hmm. where did this just come from and it's like buffalo is such a small city but around it it's like these places that you never get to talk to and it's it sucks because like I have friends who live in Batavia and like it's it's crazy because they're out there it's like so much different at Buffalo but like it has the same underlying issues mm. and because Buffalo is such a much smaller city you could like literally walk anywhere and like get <laughs> to know people while if I lived in Philadelphia and I used to live in Chinatown, it was like a far walk to like the northeast side. It, was, yeah. it wasn't even a walk. It was like a lot of buses. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you um, do you have any ideas for ways for more people to talk to each other? Um, yeah, definitely. Like um, when I first got here, I, I was not outside. I was I was not just understanding like Buffalo. I just thought it was like a really stupid small town i was like i don't <laughs> want to be here <laughs> but now i realized that um going out and just talking to people like talking to your neighbors and just engaging and like finding ways to engage more with the community like i don't know even push buffalo or like other places yeah you know it takes it takes it takes a lot to like try to find these places like i know my school will like put up things like oh solo jam or like all these other active because like our teachers were like letting us be more aware of things yeah that makes sense. Sorry yeah. Sorry about the truck. No. Yeah, right. It's part of the situation here. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I just think if you, um, just to go out your boundaries and, like, finding the education out there. Because it's always there. It's just, like, got to look really hard with the magnify glass. Mm-hmm. I like that. Thank you. All right, Ingabre. So what have your experiences been like living in Buffalo, um, I guess we already talked about school a little bit, so maybe just the community in general. I mean, I, I you said, I mean, it has been very different, but can you talk a little bit more about your experiences? Um, For me, like coming from Africa to United States and just getting into Buffalo, I was so scared. And school, it was just, I mean, one thing I like about Buffalo is diversity. Like there's a lot of people from different countries that's nice because where I used to live, it was like only Africans. Yeah. You're African. You speak the same language. No, it's not like you speak the same language, but you're like, you just call yourself Africa. Like we're all together. But here it's just everything so different and people are different. And the schools, I like the education here because mm-hmm. the teachers, they seem, con- I mean, sometimes they seem concerned about you and your education compared to where I used to live in Africa. There was the, you had I mean we had like a class with fifty kids in it. Wow. So the teacher would be like, Oh, do your work. Oh, it's your education, who cares about you? And if you didn't do it, or like if you didn't finish your work, he don't care. Oh, she don't care. Just Yeah. Yeah. But Buffalo in general, I like it here. Yeah. Where do you get to interact with people from other countries besides school? Um, MOP. At map, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, we can actually talk about map now. Um, and if you want to keep going or if, if Rebecca wants to start, I'll let you guys all decide. But I want to hear about the work that each of you do or have done at map. And, um, yeah, if you have any stories, what, what things you really like about map. Because there at map, we have, like, kids, for, like, I mean, teenagers from different cultures and everything so sometimes i mean once you get to work with them they tell you about themselves and where they came like came from and 
you just see different i mean you work with different people from different places so you get to interact with them tell you about themselves yeah because like every like every meeting or like every time we meet together we talk about something Mm -hmm. like introduction we go around yeah i'm curious how many hours a week do you work for them how does that it's usually like six hours a week okay and is it like you said uh, Rebecca talked about like Friday meals. Is that like a part of it or something else? No, we work doing like this two different like this is the school year and there's a summer. Oh, okay. That during makes the school sense. year, we get like six hours. We just, yeah, we don't get the lunch. It's just after school, two hours, and then you go home. But during the summer, we get more hours. Plus, we get we get food every Friday. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Rebecca, do you want to talk about Map for a second or? Mary, yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, so yeah, the um, I started. Well, the story how I started working with Map was that my best friend was working with Map, and he was just like telling me how cool it was, and he would be like, "Oh, this is what Destin and I would do," you know. And it was just like, "Ah, oh, I don't know, nobody wants to work for that. That sounds boring." <laughs> he was like, it was like he was all energetic." I'm just like, "Oh no, that sounds boring." But then he's like, "Just come for the summer." So like, I came to the. It was a pot. It was a potluck. Oh my god, the food was so amazing there. <laughs> my friend Khadija was working, and like I was just like, mm. she made. I don't know. I think it was this rice she made. Oh my god. So do you all make the food then too, and then share it? Yeah, yeah. At the potluck, um, the kids had. Well, the kids, the kids, the kids had all made their own food and just like brought it in for like the coaches or just bought something in that they wanted to share, and it was really cool. But um, I had started in the summer, and the summer was like a mix of like working with all different, all the different groups, so like the mobile market, the farm, citizenship and organization. You know, it was just getting a feel of it all, and that was really cool, especially during the summer. It was like nice and fun. Like it was like you had um, you had an introduction to games. You guys got to know each other as a group. You know, got to work together. It was like a flow of things. And then I decided to come back again for the school year. So I applied for a position and I decided to work on a farm because what's a better excuse to get dirty than having to you know, <laughs> work on a farm? Where is the farm located? Um, there's two farms. So there's um, one on Winter Street and one on Massachusetts Avenue, which is Massachusetts Avenue Project. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, yeah. So like um, during the school year, we were like, we have a youth garden as well on Breckenbridge, which I'm very happy to see because I have grown some Dakota black corn and I can't wait for it to grow up. Awesome. Yeah. Have you farmed before working at MAP? Is this? Um, no, I always like to play in the dirt and catch ringworms, as my mother said. So, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so now I had an excuse. Uh-huh. I was growing something. I was doing something for the community. I was having fun and I was getting to know my own community. And that's just Buffalo. Like, you know living in only one side of the city you don't get to interact with the other parts and having this time to like go out to the west side and like getting to know like everyone there was really cool and um i, th- I think that map is really amazing at that like having these um, students that you wouldn't expect to be there come together and work is really amazing because especially during times like this you don't have those interactions among each other and when you're not having these interactions you're not able to build relationships among like together to understand each other and that's a great thing about community you know you're building it and you're forming it yeah thank you so the potluck that Mariama was referring to is um our thanksgiving our give thanks potluck um this year uh I think we did it really late, um, so I think it was like all close to the Christmas season. Oh, okay, it's so like holiday um, potluck. Yeah, so yeah. Probably give thanks. <laughs> okay. Um, but um, all of the youth that work for us during the school year are um, invited slash encouraged, strongly encouraged to bring a dish um, mm-hmm. that they make at home. Um, and uh, some of the favorites that. Um, have stuck out for me are some um, spicy noodles that uh, young man Aso brought, um, which I think there was some chicken in there, which I'm vegetarian, but I snuck my way <laughs> around the chicken because um, I love spicy food and it smelled really good. Um, I was also introduced to sambusas um, a few years ago mm. by a young man, Paul, Paul Douth. Um, what are sambusas? Sambusas? Well, um, I think... It's like a samosa. Okay. My mom, she makes them, but it's like you mix dough with uh-huh. it. 
I mean, you it's like pizza, but then you, you cut squares and then you put meat in it. Oh, okay. And then you make like a triangle. Yeah, and yeah. And then you fry it with meat inside of it. It mm-hmm. tastes so good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Um, some other things, um, I think one of our young women a couple years ago, um, made catfish, um, and with like Thai, red Thai spices. Um, so yeah, I mean the Thanksgiving potlucks are really fun. Um, and then every summer, uh, the summer is kind of our, um, it's, I mean, obviously it's the growing season. So, uh, the teenagers start with us 20 hours a week starting on July 10th. Mm. Um, and they work 8am to noon, um, every day. And then Friday is an extended day. So, um, Friday we're about 8am till three or four. Okay. Um, and we have about 30 to 40 teenagers that work for us during that for those hours every summer where do you how do you um find the teenagers Mm -hmm. do you have an application process or how does that work well so the bulk of our teens find us through two uh partnerships that we have with uh government agencies so um we partner with the city of Buffalo's mayor summer internship program. Mm -hmm. And we also partner with, um, Erie County summer youth program. Um, and so I, so it's a combination of teenagers find us through applying there and they place them with us. So Mm -hmm. if they've said they like working with their hands or like working outdoors, or if they live on the West side, then, um, one of those programs might place them with us. Mm -hmm. Um, the other way people find us is through word of mouth, which both of these young women came to me through word of mouth. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Excuse me. And Gabri found me through the mayor summer youth program. Yeah. Um, her sister found out about map word of mouth through in Gabre. So her sister, Sophia okay. worked for us this past year and then, and then Mary, of course, through yeah, her friend and went to the potluck. That's great. Um, Rebecca, what is your specific role at map? How do you describe what you do? So my title is the youth education director. Mm-hmm. Um, and maps full-time staff is a very small number. There's about five of us. Um, full time. Mm. Um, and so we share communications duties amongst ourselves. So all of our social media, web updating, all that kind of stuff is done. Um, so if any of us are working on things like for me, the youth outreach, um, if I want an online presence for that, I've got to do it. Mm. Um, so I've got to update the website and I've got to send out the social media. Um, uh, in addition to being youth education director, I also do policy work for the organization. So I tag team with my boss, uh, Diane Picard, who's our executive director. And between, um, well, it used to be between the two of us, we would kind of represent the organization in policy um, circles. Um, but in the last few years, we've been broadening that. And I can talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, I guess um, just really briefly, like what kind of policy work is MAP most interested in being a part of? And at what level? Is it Buffalo or state, federal? Yeah. Well, I'll start with Buffalo um, because back in... Uh, 98, 99, um, and kind of, uh, building up towards the time that we established the map growing green youth employment program in 2003, um, map has, I feel like map has had a really important role in the city in terms of, um, the, having a good relationship with the city where the city invites our staff to conversations around policy affecting our food landscape. Mm. Um, So, uh, I mean, this issue of vacant land, um, which it can be vacant, unproductive land, or it can be vacant land that's being used, which then obviously is not vacant anymore. Yeah. Um, And so so MAP has been kind of at the table for a lot of those conversations throughout that time. and then more recently, um, well, I guess it's not more exactly more recently as I age, um, the chicken conversation, um, MAP was at the table for the legalization of backyard chickens. Uh, okay. Um, and, and then more recent than that, the green code process, making sure that urban agriculture, um, was, uh, 
was included in the zoning code um, yeah. of the city. You know, the city was redoing a zoning code that was over 50 years old. I think nearly 60 yeah, years that's amazing. old. It was right. a completely outdated zoning code for how we use our land in mm. the city. And so when they redid that, making sure that um, our organization was at the table. And I think in all of those conversations, we're also, um, we bring the young people who work with us to those conversations and encourage them to share their perspectives um, on those things. So broader than the local arena, um, MAP has been um, instrumental in the formation of the Food Policy Council for Buffalo Neary County. Mm. Um, the Food Policy Council was formed in 2013 as a subcommittee of the Erie County Department of Health, and that was many years in the making. Um, Massachusetts Avenue Project um, and in partnership with the University of Buffalo Food Lab and system food systems and planning lab um, worked really hard to like encourage local folks to bring on a food policy council and there's food policy councils all around the country mm -hmm. um, from what I understand we're the first food policy council in New York State okay um, so Buffalo had the first food policy council I think in New York State uh, I might be wrong on that um, that's okay we can claim it for today that's good <laughs> yeah uh, I think now the New York City does have a food policy council okay. too so I'm not sure whether they were first or we were first but uh, we were um, yeah. but what is unique to us is that youth at MAP um, back in 2012-2013 when there was a steering committee forming that food policy council they wrote a letter advocating that the council include two seats for youth mm. um and they won in that. They had some allies, adult allies, that were part of that steering committee who, um, you know, when somebody said, well, those shouldn't be voting seats, they said, mm. well, why not? <laughs> like, why shouldn't youth have a vote just as much as the adults who were at the table? Yeah. So we were able to win two um, voting seats for youth to join the council. Um, and that uh, kind of leads me to when you asked how things were changing. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I think... Um, there, there's been a movement to make sure that um, folks who are um, uh, folks who aren't typically at the table, whether it's young people or people of color or um, people who are living in poverty, that whatever reasons, policy decisions are kept in kind of like this ivory tower mm. where they're inaccessible to folks who those decisions really impact. Yeah. Um, so a lot of our work at MAP and a lot of my work, personal passion at MAP, is making sure that people are at the table. Um, and I think that is um, evident in the seats for youth on the Food Policy Council. It's also evident in um, uh, the People's Food Movement, which MAP has been instrumental in pulling together folks to collaborate on the People's Food Movement in 2015 and 2017, which essentially is trying to communicate policy, food policy issues to um, everyday folks. Um, and pr we've We've done the People's Food Movement. The first year it was at DIG at the medical campus. Okay. And did most of our outreach to um, f uh, clients of um, the food pantries. Mm -hmm. um, and served a delicious meal there, brought out a lot of people, and shared with those people kind of the One Region Forward plan, which ties together kind of climate solutions to the food system. Yeah. And showed those... Um, ideas and and had a lot of volunteers and people in the public engaging the people at the 2015 people's movement and kind of what their what their perspective was on these ideas and these solutions that had came out of the one region forward process and then more recently the youth at map and myself worked hard on another people's food movement in collaboration with um the uh, University of Buffalo Food Lab with African Heritage Food Co-op with um, Grassroots Gardens and with Delvin Grider Community Center. And we did another People's Food Movement this past April, um, which similarly uh, worked to translate advocacy issues around food, um, whether it was an organic action plan or uh, whether it was... Um, uh, supporting black growers or making sure that there was a urban growers policy that had good input from the people, bringing those kind of ideas to the general public at that event. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I really like how, I mean, just with talking with you and all of you about how MAP is so good at 
really collaborating with other people and other initiatives. That's very obvious here. So that's awesome. Thanks. I, um, I, I felt like another important thing to bring up is, uh, a recent collaboration since 2015 is with the Crossroads Collective. Yeah, and that's actually perfect because my next round of questions for all of you is talking about climate justice and so what it means to you, what the challenges are, and then new approaches. So if one or all of you can talk about Crossroads Collective and then climate justice and all of that, I, that is a really big interest of mine. So, yeah. So I can kick it off a little bit and yeah, just introduce that. Yeah. And then, yeah, I really want to hear from everyone about climate justice. Yeah. Um, so, uh, map has been interested in climate issues for some time. Um, but thinking about how to translate those issues to the general public and to the youth we work with, Mm -hmm. um, has been a challenge. There's, um, there's kind of broadly, I think around the world, a disconnect between the connection between food and agriculture and mm-hmm. climate change and climate solutions um, that some other uh, sectors, such as the energy sector, has done a really good job of making a really clear connection between renewable energy, community energy systems as a solution um, to the climate issue. Yeah. Um, And as a food movement, we've got to get a lot better about um, communicating our connection about climate change. So um, we were really pleased when we were invited to collaborate with the Crossroads Collective, um, which is a coalition of um, around 11 organizations um, working to bring about a just transition uh, to a a more um, sustainable world. just transition away from the fossil fuel industry. Right. Um, and, uh, and so our role in that has been one to bring youth to the movement mm-hmm. and two, to make the connection between food justice and the climate issue. Yeah. That's, that's really good because I, I have been pretty frustrated with, I mean, it's, yeah, like you said, super important to think about energy, but the amount of energy it takes to make our food is crazy um and so yeah i can see where that's like a perfect fit for you all to speak up yeah i would just add to that that um map has also been a member organization of the west york environmental alliance for many years that organization was Mm -hmm. founded in 2009 um and a couple years ago we worked with um the alliance and the crossroads collective to host a youth forum on climate justice to bring this issue of climate justice to um, youth, predominantly in organizations like ours, after-school programs, um, programs that were working with youth in frontline communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and we felt like that event was really successful. And so the Alliance has invested some time and energy into expanding that. Um, and so I'm going to let Mariama speak a little bit more about that, but we can also circle back to me at the end and I can fill in. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, were any of you at the youth summit or is this, you were there? Oh, both were there. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, take it away with your experiences either at that particular summit or just with climate justice in general, how it's impacted you personally or how just your particular thoughts on it. Um, when I think about the climate, I just think that we should just take care of it. Cause like, if we don't take care of the climate, the consequences we're going to face is going to be upon us. So, like, how we use, like, too much oil, like, you know, mm-hmm. or, like, how we want, like, to just, like, pollute the environment without thinking about, oh, what's the cost? Like, you know, like, how it's, it gets, like, really hot in the summer. I mean, in the summer it gets hot, it gets hot but... But even hotter now. Right. More days in a row, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's real. Are you just <laughs> saying the house like, oh my god, am I burning? No, <laughs> There's a, it's something you're not doing right. Yeah, <laughs> but climate is just. When I think about climate, I just think about oh, it's a responsibility that people have to take care of the environment and be concerned about it. Yeah, that's and good. for and for us like Americans to have a president who says oh, 
there's nothing wrong with that and uh, i don't believe in climate it mm. just shows like where we're going like if you don't care about it who's where's this going at like yeah where, where are we going yeah it's really poor leadership yeah but other than that i just i just think it's a responsibility to take care of the environment yeah and us thank you polluting the area right thanks i agree all right, Mary. So, yeah, your thoughts, experiences, and then if you want to bring in the summit, take it away. Um, so I had a, I've had a very nice earth science teacher who would always tell me about, like, the weather. Like, it was it was always really nice. Um, so she would always tell me, like, how Lake Effect snow is and, like, who's – because, like, um, she passed away, sadly, but um, she was in her 60s, and she was like, if you guys do not care about the environment, who will? Cause we're we're gonna be. She was like she was like talking about herself and like people before her. Like we're gonna be gone, and there's not gonna be no one else to help the environment but you guys. Mm-hmm. And you know it's it, at, at first is you know you're like in class you're just laughing like ah, what's she talking about? <laughs> but like um, I always been f- sadly affected by the weather. Like if it was too hot, I would get the really bad nosebleeds. If it was too cold, and it was just like I get sick with, as soon as the weather starts changing. It was just like ugh. Yeah, you know, and um, now that I'm like older and I'm just like had all these, I'm still learning about climate science and myself. You know, it's it's scary to think like it may be nice and hot in Buffalo, but like if it's hot somewhere, let's say like California, they had a really bad drought, and because of that drought, they were on a low, they were had very low water, and they don't have enough water to like help with growing, and the growth is going to be hardened, and you're going to have like increases of prices and food, and increases of prices of food cannot be helping like people of the working class who have to already live paycheck by paycheck, and it's going to be worse for them. So it's like climate justice has a lot of ties itself with other issues. There's a lot of Climate change goes along with the isms of everything else. Mm-hmm. And because of these isms, it's going to make it even more drastic. Um, that when was I have went, yeah, yeah. really <laughs> well said. Thank you. Yeah. Um, like we went for the People's Climate March and I was so happy to see that it was youth there because like that's really important because one of the isms is ageisms. And if <laughs> youth are not led on to these issues, they're not going to ever learn about them. They're not going to be able to educate themselves or like stand up for them. And then the, cl- the Climate Action Summit, the Youth Summit, was, like, really amazing to um, have there. But I felt like it needed more than just, like, you know, the broad of the population of the kids there were not of pe- people of color. And, you know, it's not, it's not to say that it was just that, but, like, I felt like if there was more children who were, like, in the frontline communities just as well there, I would feel like it would have been a better outreach. And, um... And this is another thing that's a problem. You have like um, different. It was like Catawaga, Catawaga, Catawaga. I don't know. It's a di- it was a different school system, and it was because of like the distance. Yeah, it's because of, like the distance. Um, they w- didn't have the time to like understand it. Like it oh had- yeah, like you are you saying that maybe like just there was a learning curve to yeah. get to the point where you all could talk on the same page yeah, basically. Cause, yeah. Cause they were telling me like how some of their teachers don't believe climate change mm-hmm. and like it was a struggle for them already. Right. And it's like, it's because of these same issues that's in another school. Who's to say it's not in another district in New York state. Yeah. And then every state is different. I mean, it is, it is amazing how I think a lot of people have been left behind on just the basic understanding of what it is. And then, that's not even talking about the people that have actually been paid to confuse people, which is a whole nother topic that's really awful. But but it is hard to talk about solutions when you're all not on the same page to understand the basics. Yeah, so that's they, a really good you know, observation. Especially at the, like six in the morning just to get here to like even oh, learn. Like, right. you know, yeah. nitro- like the nitrogen in the air is at least about 19 pounds. And if you multiply about the times we've probably burned a lot of fossil fuels who's it's like over like a billion and yeah. it's like all in our air right and because it's invisible there's more visible issues to think about before that happens and so yeah, yeah it's i you're explaining it really well yeah especially like in buffalo if, if you notice that like our uh difference from our snowstorms to even how the heat is now like mm-hmm. you, especially when time barrier usually may 10th is the last frost date and it was still kind of cold and that has an impact on farmers in new york state 
Yeah, my lettuce has not done well this year <laughs> at all. And if you can't if you can't grow enough food like well enough for the people, then mm-hmm. then you start having like health issues and like you're starting yeah. seeing like decline rates of like it's it's a lot of science. It's a lot of things that go for like birth yeah. rates, death rates. It's and it's all connected. So yeah, you've that's a really yeah, good way Rebecca's to talk about it. Yeah. Well, Rebecca, I want you to talk about it, and then we'll we'll keep going on our on our way. So yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that we were clarifying that there's been like a whole bunch of different events that have gone on, and there's a lot of opportunities mm. going on right now. So. Um, the Climate Justice Forum that we um, talked about that was done in collaboration with the Crossroads Collective and Western Environmental Alliance was actually in 2016. And um, was I think that we, the first one then, or have we've only done you've only one done in one collaboration okay. with them? Um, yeah. And then I, the 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 event that Mariama was just talking about, which brought out Cattaraugus County and the youth from all over, was put together by a master's teachers group, mm-hmm. um, which was a phenomenal opportunity as well to delve into climate science. And that was called the Western Year Climate Action Summit. Yeah. Um, and that was an event um, that just happened two weeks ago. Okay. I think. Um, and, uh, I mean, it was really well organized and, um, I think there was like 90 to a hundred youth, excuse me. And most of the teachers that, um, had taken part in organizing that were teachers from, um, the outskirts of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, the new Western, the, um, West York Environmental Alliance Youth Climate Justice Campaign mm-hmm. um, is hoping to build off of both the forum that was hosted in 2016 yeah. um, by... Uh, figuring out again how to partner with inner city organizations um, or, I mean, we're open to organizations region wide mm-hmm. to bring in youth from frontline communities yeah. like the forum that happened in 2016. Okay. Um, but we'd also like to collaborate with teachers. So we haven't quite figured out yet how that will look because we've not done a collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the youth climate justice forum yeah. has not done a collaboration with teachers um, uh-huh. prior, but the, this climate action summit that they did recently that the teachers did was phenomenal. So yeah, that's interesting. I, I went to, um, I went to Hamburg high school and there's a teacher there that teaches a class called environmental deterioration. Um, I ran into him at a, at a documentary screening that he had brought students to. And so I, I mean, when I went there a long time ago, there was nothing like that. I mean, earth science had nothing about climate. And so I'm, I am really interested to see like what teachers are bringing to the table. And I think opportunities like that, where they can all come together and share ideas. That's really great. So I'm glad you're focusing on the teachers. Yeah. And I would draw out a a couple other things that Mary said too, just that one thing that we're hoping to do with the youth climate justice campaign is kind of go down three tracks. So the teachers is just one track. Another one is, um, focusing on, um, broader, uh, inclusion of young people from frontline communities Mm. in the conversation about climate change. The forum that we did back in 2016 was uh, set up in a way where we were trying to find out from the young young people in the room what their perspectives were and what their understanding was on climate change. So we used a lot of popular education style facilitation where we uh, defined climate change as a group Mm -hmm. and we defined social justice as a group and we started exploring some of the intersectionalities of those. what we found was a lot of the young people that were in the room. I think we had about 70 young people um, from from predominantly from the West Side um, was that the majority of them didn't know what climate change was. Yeah. Um, we had identified approximately 11 young people that were at that event that did get it. Um, and we followed up with them to see if they would be interested in staying involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so that brings us to the third track. So if we're going to look at teachers and the role like master's teachers can have in climate change education, and we're going to make sure that we're um, talking about climate justice with youth in our frontline communities and climate change with youth in our frontline communities. Um, the third is to make sure that we have youth leadership. Mm. So Mary talked about going to DC for the people's climate March. Um, you know, the youth that were, um, invited to attend the, um, 
climate action summit that the master teachers put on, those were all young people that had been identified as already understanding the climate change issue. Mm. Um, and we hope to include those young leaders, um, Marion and Gabre being among them, um, in helping us think about how to bring broader education and um, inclusivity around the climate justice conversation to our frontline community. So we hope to do another youth forum um, this September. Okay. Um, but this time, instead of it being led and facilitated by adults, we hope to involve the young people who really got the issue um, uh, in helping us think through how that should look and, yeah. um, and making it happen. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like, yeah, just, I don't know, adapting, like each time learning as you go and finding new ideas. I think that's really innovative and wise. So good job. We're also going to be looking constantly for like advocacy opportunities. So I know some Mm. of our partner organizations are doing a lot of things too. So letter writing campaigns, um, going to things like the People's Climate March, um, you know, any kind of opportunities like that for our young leaders to participate in to like give them more and more opportunities to delve into the issue. That's great. All right, I'm in the interest of time, I'm going to go to um, the question I always ask and um, at the end. So for each of you, and I guess, you know, where do you experience a world in yourself or in society that's dying and then what's being born to take its place? Um, (laughs) I guess... In the world that I think is dying is when we become close-minded and block ourselves off from understanding and learning, and we don't we don't fight for what we believe in, and we just let it happen because we think somebody else will do this, but nobody, but you won't have nobody else to stand up for you. And I think a world that is being born is now actually like even though we may think this is the darkest of times, there's so much that's being shown, and there's so much that is going on from like. It was a pride parade that was going on, I think, where was it, L.A. probably, somewhere around there. And there was a protester that came and said, we will not we will not have a pride parade until we address that pride is pride is going to have our transgender community, our POC community. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be inclusive. It's not just going to be just one. It's not going to be just the one scene you always see for pride. It's not going to be just them. It's going to be for all of us. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful to have a time period where we're able to still act and we're still able to hold up our voices and say that we will not let injustice be because injustice somewhere is injustice everywhere. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, a world that's dying and what's being born to take its place and that's yeah, in society or in yourself. Um, I think the world that's dying right now is that people, people are realizing their rights and are able to stand up for what they believe in, mm-hmm. like how do you? They, like he Trump came up with Muslim ban. Yeah, I mean a lot of people are able to like protest, like protest about it, talk yeah. about it, and seeing people in the television like saying, "Oh, they can't go," they have to say. They just feel like I felt like I was accepted as Muslim in this country, and I felt the love, you know. But then, <laughs> yeah, but a word that is being born is just. We're trying. We're, we're getting to like accept each other as one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'd say that the world that is dying is the world that doesn't include all people and all considerations in it. Um, sitting here looking at your photograph with the trees and I think the world that's dying um, is that world that's not holistic that is single-minded that is only looking at the bottom line in terms of profit and money and growth quote-unquote yeah um, progress quote-unquote for the sake of progress mm-hmm. um, that the real progress, um, the world that is being being born, is a world that includes 
um, an ecosystem and the beauty of all things and includes the voices of all people. And, um, and I think it's going to be the vision that these two young ladies and other young people, um, bring to you. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Thank you all of you. And, um, you don't all have to speak unless you want to, but if you have any final thoughts or recommendations for the people listening, things you want to talk about that are upcoming in the community, um, yeah, just any final thoughts, I'd love to hear them. I don't know. Um, I just want to say, like, if you, the best, just stay just stay open-minded. Like, just don't let yourself be holded by the ignorance of the day, you know? Um as an Afro Latina, it, it takes it takes a lot to try to cross between both of my cultures and like understand a line between those and like how to work together, in order to understand. Cause like especially with you have if you have culture like a lot of your culture ties into like what you believe in and then it's it's a challenge. But um, challenges are always meant to be dealt with and there's always solutions out there for you. So yeah, yeah. All right, and Gabre. So yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm 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 so interested in fashion and I just wanna bring I just wanna I just want as I mean I really love my religion and I'm always trying to like make people non Muslim or Muslim just feel like accepted. So fashion for me is just that I wanna feel like Muslim are included in fashion and in the t- in the television since I was a kid, I never saw, like, a commercial about a Muslim girl or, like, Muslim. Just growing up, seeing myself in the television, I never got to experience that. So I would like to maybe one day see myself on the TV in a commercial, just see some random Muslim girl in the TV advertising about something. Just It, it doesn't have to be a fa- about fashion, just some random person advertising about. Because I, I, yeah. I want somebody maybe... To grow up the same people like they look alike in the television because we don't ex- get to experience that yeah that but, makes sense mm-hmm, but um on july 15 there's gonna be a fashion show yeah <laughs> thank you for telling included. us this <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah just, and our, and you're gonna be in it right mm-hmm. that's we're amazing just trying to raise yeah. money for the buffalo public schools okay school. yeah. yeah thanks yeah everyone Can't wait for that go to that thank you <laughs> I feel like my big takeaway from our conversation here is just so how cl- just how clearly identity plays a role in issues and kind of where we come from and um, what's important to us. Um, it's all tied together and identity and our understanding of ourselves and then also listening and um, really trying to understand where other people come from. That is just really key um in terms of climate solutions in terms of all kinds of solutions so I feel like that's my big takeaway um and I was just so pleased to be invited to do this um podcast and feel like super honored to do it with these ladies I got to know them in a way that I didn't know them before um and then I just hope that um you know, as we continue to develop this youth climate justice campaign, that people stay in the loop and um, figure out how to support us and come out for events. Yeah, great. Thanks, everybody. That was great. Thank you so much for listening to the Keeping Things Alive podcast. My name is Laura Evans, and if you would like more information about me, this podcast, or other work that I care about, please visit www.keepingthingsalive.org.